Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests' experience. Goodness, Josh, that was quite a journey for Marie Parker on this podcast, wasn't it? It was so interesting, Julia. I think her passion for dental nurse progression was was really clear to see from right back at the start when dental nurses first became registered, even, even to now. She seems like she is so keen to help everybody. And, and I think what's also been borne out by her interview was that whole thing of being involved in your professional societies and just giving things a go and trying things out. Yeah, she had some great advice, great tips for people in the early stages of their career. And she also shared her wealth of experience and education, which also I think is going to be really useful for our listeners to hear. So enjoy this episode with Marie Parker. With your hosts, Josh Hudson and Julia Bruin. Welcome, Marie, to the podcast. It is really great to have you on here today. Thank you. So we generally start these these sorts of uh, interviews with asking about how people got into dentistry, because quite often people fall into dentistry. Mm -hmm. But there are a certain group of people that always want to be a dental nurse, always want to be a dentist, always want to be a hygienist. What was it for you? Unfortunately, I also fall into the category where I fell into dentistry. Um, I was just recently out of school, left school with not many qualifications at the time. Um, so I took myself off to the job centre and a position for a dental nurse was available and I tried it and didn't look back. So what happened? So so you saw that job, you applied, mm-hmm. you, and then how did it work from there? Did you do your training and then what, what was the early part of your career, I guess is the question completely different to what it is now. At the time, it was a very small practice. There was one dentist, one nurse, one receptionist and myself. So I didn't actually know at the time that dental nurses need to be qualified. Um, Well, or could get qualification at the time. And um, quite a lot of what we did there probably wasn't correct, but I didn't know any different, which Mm. is why I'm a great supporter of kind of registration and things like that. Um, But at the time it worked for me. I'd recently had to leave home and the practice was kind of really family orientated. So it was really good that kind of being part of that. But from there, I did then find out that you could get qualified and decided to to kind of just start to investigate that that route and went on to a dental hospital where I was able to get a job as a trainee dental nurse. Okay. I think that's interesting. We've had so many people on this podcast talk about the family dentist, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the sort of dental office, the, yeah. the dental environment. Why do you think it is a family? I mean, we people say it all of the time, don't they? They're talking about being in this environment and it feels like a family. I just can't quite work out myself, but have you got any thoughts on that? Um, I just think it's because you're so close together and there's so few of you at the time, it it was a very small practice. So I just think being in such a close-knit team at the time made it feel like that and um, kind of eating together, you would get in together and just you did everything together. And I think at the time I needed that. So it was it was really good. But that must have been, so that was quite a small practice, the amount yeah. of people that were there. And then going into a hospital must have been quite a change. Yeah. So how was that transition from quite a small practice to suddenly being in this much bigger organisation? It was a massive change, but it it just opened my eyes so much that the fact that 
outside of general practice, there is so much about dentistry that I didn't know about. Um, kind of training in a hospital as well enables you to go through all of the departments. So experiencing things that you might never, ever experience again in your career if you're if you're not in that environment. So, for example, working in oral surgery, um, being able to go into theatres and things like that was amazing at the time. There might be some dental nurses that are listening to this that have stayed in practice and they haven't experienced mm. this kind of hospital environment. So would you recommend for somebody to to explore that avenue? Yeah, I think so. I think I think both is really good. Um, I think when students leave a hospital and go into practice, they find that adjustment very difficult as well mm. um, because it is very fast paced. Um, but people actually thrive on that as well and they want that. Um, but I would say definitely it's worth pursuing kind of hospital positions as well because you do have more structure at a hospital, so that's around your development. Um, you kind of have stricter, I would say, policies and procedures that you might not have in some practices. So it is good and it depends what you're looking for for your position. Again, lots of people on these podcasts have talked about the differences, haven't they? And they've said, actually, it's good to just do different things all of the time. I think it would be fair to say that you're an ardent supporter of the career progression for dental nurses. And I, there are sort of two parts to my question. Where did this passion ignite? And perhaps what projects have you been involved in that have led you to be thinking, wow, actually, I really made a difference there? To be honest, I think the people around me, I was so lucky to work from... My first job as a dental nurse, working with a fantastic consultant that was supportive in kind of pushing me and my career um, to then kind of seeking out opportunities. So an opportunity to start teaching, for example. And from there, it just gave me kind of a bigger picture on what was going on outside kind of, I suppose, nationally. Um, getting my first job as a dental nurse tutor it was kind of a pathway that you always took, you would become an examiner. And I really enjoyed that and began to get more and more involved in the National Examining Board. So that really started to ignite and show me opportunities that I could have within that role. Um, if I think about greatest achievement within that, I would say becoming chair of the National Examining Board. At the time, I was the youngest person to ever do it. And probably there's only been a handful of dental nurses that have actually chaired the board. So. It was challenging, it was scary, um, but it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've done. And perhaps tell us what that would involve, because of course, you know, some people might not realise what that role really involves. Um, so first of all, I think working my way through as a trustee, I needed that foundation. I wouldn't have been able to kind of just go into that role. When you're looking at chair and looking at being on a board of trustees, um, you're responsible at the end of the day for the strategic and the financial future of that organisation, so of that charity. So it enabled me to step outside the NHS. You get very siloed within the NHS and I worked with an amazing group of trustees. We had lawyers, we had people that run their own businesses, we had kind of dental professionals. So for me, it really opened my eyes and I could work with a range of people that it would never happen within my career in the NHS. So I was able to start practicing some skills about strategy. Um, at the time I took on the exam board, it had a huge deficit. So I thought this is going to be career suicide <laughs> if the exam board like, doesn't kind of make it through this period. 
Um, but we turned it around and the team of trustees we had at the time was amazing and we managed to turn that around and really kind of change the way the exam board was. Now that must be an achievement and mm. must um, give you joy. Yes, yeah, definitely. Can we talk so much about professional organisations and different things that, that people can get involved in outside of their clinical role? So what... What were the benefits? I know you mentioned there about working mm. with other people, but is there any other benefits that y you see in doing something like that? If somebody's listening and thinking, yeah, maybe that's something that I could explore, starting off at maybe a lower mm. level, working up. But what benefits do you think that has for people and their in terms of their career and their personal development? I suppose. I think it helps people get out of those silos. So it's very difficult sometimes if you can see a career pathway, but you're quite limited where you are to get exposure to the things that you need to do. So um, kind of for me, as I say, like strategy, although we did it within the centre, the strategy is set by the trust. You kind of have to follow that to a certain extent. Um, and it could be that you want to get involved in some kind of quality assurance. So by taking on a role like that, you can then begin to work with people that are experts in that and learn from them. So it enables people to get further exposure from places they might not think is possible really. So as well as your roles in NEBDN, you've also held numerous education roles. So I think uh, initially you were head of CPD for dental nurses and a, a dental nurse training manager at the hospital that you were working. So what made you start exploring these areas outside of clinical dentistry? Why did you move more towards into management? I was in the right place at the right time. Um, <laughs> Often the case. <laughs> I think when I first got my kind of tutor's job, uh, there was huge change within dental nursing and it was really exciting. Um, there was an introduction of a new MVQ qualification. Um, and then kind of a few years later, we had GDC registration and along with that came the scope of practice. So I was so passionate then about pushing this and supporting nurses through it because there were a lot of people that were, were against registration. Um, especially when the CPD requirements come in as well. But having worked in practice, and as I said earlier, I didn't know what I was supposed to do properly. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt that this is something that is really good for the profession. So they needed someone to help support them through that. Um, and so working kind of developing qualifications and working with a team, it just naturally progressed that kind of I moved across to those roles where I had a team around me and that we was able to develop qualifications and courses that the dental nurse was, would benefit from. That must have been really satisfying to, to, to do that, but there must have been challenges in that transition as well. Were there any particular challenges in, in doing all of that? I think it was still at the time, it was still selling the idea of dental nurses as a professional within that practice and being a major part of that team. Um, I think a lot of dental nurses within practice could not see the benefit because it, it felt like we've got to pay more money, we've got to do all of these things. Um, but I don't think there was enough being done about kind of why, why this has happened and where it came from. So there was a lot of challenges as well. And then obviously you have the challenges of kind of making sure what you're developing is actually what people want mm -hmm. and will benefit them, not what I think is the right thing to do, but 
what is really needed. Um, one of the things that I still feel is lacking within the industry is dental nurses that undertake research and academia because when you go looking for this stuff, it's just not there. Um, and it's very difficult sometimes and challenging to kind of do more in relation to that area. But that's, I think, what we're trying to do in this podcast, isn't it? We we have interviewed um, a number of dental mm. nurses who are clearly doing a real range mm. of things, ranging from being very happy and very successful in general practice to leadership roles to all sorts of different yeah. things. And I think there are opportunities out there, like you say, but... Yeah. You've, you've just got to be a bit creative, yeah. perhaps where you're looking yeah. for yeah. them. Definitely. I mean, getting into training, I was working within a preclinical department. Um, we were kind of some of the first dental nurses that actually taught in one of the BDS programs. And that ignited my passion for education. But unless I'd put myself out there, gone down to the School of Dental Nursing and said, look, I want to do more. I was then given the opportunity to, to teach on a course and then run a course but I did that in addition to my role. So there is a, a certain aspect where you need to put yourself out and seek out the opportunities. And sometimes it might be a hard year, but it does lead to good things. I mean, that's interesting. You saying about dental nurses teaching on a BDS course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's a that's a pretty big statement to come out with, isn't it? That, yeah. that must have been quite groundbreaking at the time. Yes, yeah. It, it was really difficult as well. I was still quite young at the time, um, but again, had a great team supporting me. But it was probably in a period where some of the dental students as well were, were not impressed. One, that I was female, and two, that I was a dental nurse, and I was actually providing them with part of their curriculum. Um, but it happens a lot now, which I'm pleased about because we've all got so much to yes, give nothing, nothing more than the profession deserves yeah so it, it's clear that this passion in education was ignited talk us through the next bits of your educational background um so i kind of ignited from doing an oral health education qualification initially um, I felt like I needed to do something more um, and then from that I was able to have a clinic on, on department and that education kind of just it inspired me and it just grew and grew. Um, so I then kind of seeked out a, a position to, to help with getting a qualification because obviously sometimes you're in that catch-22 situation where I can't get a job um, as an educator but I need to get a qualification and I need that experience. Um, so um, I was able to, to, to do that course, as I just said, and do my qualification at the same time. Um, and then I, because I'd put myself out there, when a position did come, become available, um, I was let know, kind of, I still had to go through all the same processes, but I was informed that there's a position available and I was lucky enough to get it. Um, and then really just developing my skills more. We moved to an MVQ at the time, so there was a lot of learning around different processes. Um, we had things called assessors and internal verifiers and things like that. So again, they were further qualifications that we all needed to do as a team. Um, and we supported each other through that. And from there, really, I just continued up until doing a master's. Um, which again is probably one of the hardest things I don't, I'm not sure I'd ever do one again, but I did it. and. Um, really pleased that I did. So tell us more about that experience with your master's. So what what was your master's in? How did you end up going into that? Was that 
something that you felt was needed for career progression or did you do that for yourself or what yeah was the story? i think so unfortunately in the nhs i think sometimes there is still if you want to move across bandings and move to a higher banding there is something that is sometimes an essential um i was lucky enough to be supported in the workplace to to do it but i had to do it through the open university um, because i didn't have a first degree either mm. i had other qualifications but not a formal degree so um i was able to use my experience um, and the Open University allowed me to kind of do a year at a time. Once you've got through one year, then you're accepted onto the next year. So it was in education. I did a module on leadership, one on online learning, um, another one around kind of assessment. So it was it was really good and really beneficial. Worth all the hard work then. Yes. <laughs> so your current position is that you are Deputy Director of School of Dental Hygiene and Dental Therapy here at the Eastman. Yep. Now, this is traditionally perhaps a different registrant group that you've been involved in. And I'm just interested to know whether you've learned very much about this new group that you are now heavily involved in. Um, although it's a huge change, it's not. Because when you're in education, I think a learner is a learner, a student is a student. It's just the level of qualification that they might be studying. But each learner comes with the same history, the same preconceived ideas, the same support that's required. So in some ways, it's not that different. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I hear that. I think there's so much, well, there used to be so much basis on the clinical skills required within the dental team. But I think we've moved away from that quite a bit. And I think we're still moving away from that. In relation to how we can provide that person in be just being a better clinician through kind of helping with their confidence and their professionalism and we all work towards the same standards we all have the same gdc standards um, yes actually when you think about it like that that's a yeah. beautiful description that you've used because those things are exactly the same whether you are a dental nurse a hygienist a dental technician yeah. an orthodontic therapist so yes i think you that's an interesting point yeah i think obviously i don't get involved in the clinical aspect of the program but all of the other parts are the same again, no matter what program you're running, whether it's a BDS, whether it's dental nursing or some other degree, it's that program management and that quality assurance. And it's the same across the board. So when I began to kind of think about how to move my career forward, I did think a lot about how to do that. And I looked whether to get into organizational development within the NHS or move to a general management within the NHS. But my passion still lied with education and I was quite limited within my position or the centre that I worked in at the time as to kind of moving up. So I knew I had to kind of get out of my little niche. And mm -hmm. and of course, you know, you say education, but dental education yes. really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you are, you can become quite niched and... It's hard sometimes to think that I've reached that ceiling and how do I move forward from here? But I was lucky enough to obviously see this and apply for this and be successful. And it's it's been great. I've learned so much in a completely different way because now I'm learning about the whole university side of things. And that's not just a learning point for me. That's also a learning point for the, our whole team as well, because we move from a diploma to a university degree. So I've been on that journey from the start as well, which has really helped me. 
So you obviously have an interest in management as mm-hmm. well as just the education aspect of things. So I was, I'm interested to hear what what motivates you in that area? What motivates you to strive and succeed? You said that you were looking for different ways to develop yourself and progress in your career, but what what's the real motivator? Why not get to a, a position and be happy with it and, and stay there? Why have you been constantly pushing forward? I think it's just the people. Um, I want to create a team that's better than what I've ever been and that succession plan as well so kind of especially at the time around dental nursing it was finding kind of who will be our successors because I was privileged of being in a hospital and enabled time to do the things that I did but it's really hard when you're in practice and kind of they're becoming less and less of us in in hospital so kind of who are going to be those next people and it's exactly the same within hygiene and therapy um, and in dentistry, is just creating the people that are going to be our future, that are fighting for the right things, fighting to make sure that we are kind of putting patients' interests at first, but also making sure it's a profession to be proud of. And there might be some people listening, maybe in the earlier stages of mm. their career, who are thinking, hey, maybe I want to be that person in the future. Mm. What advice would you give to dental nurses who are wanting to follow a similar path to yourself and progress and get into these management positions and to be that person in the future? Do you have any advice for them of how how best to, to do that? I think going back to what I said earlier, I think they need to, to kind of just seek out opportunities. Those opportunities don't necessarily fall upon you straight away. Um, and think about kind of what aspects it's such a broad term management so practice management people management um, educational management so it's actually looking at what really kind of inspires them and motivates them Um, because I think one of the things of being a leader is that you need to be motivated yourself to then kind of lead that team so it is first of all really thinking about where their passion lies seeking out opportunities and there are places that you can go to to get experience and ex- exposure if it's not within your current workplace as well. Um, as I said, kind of thinking on a more national basis, there's societies that people can join and become part of, um, becoming trustees and things like that is a really good way to, to start building up that skill set. We've had a lot of people on this podcast who, who just turn around and just say to people, say yes, and I say just say yes, because it's never quite just, is it? It's always one of those things where you think, oh, should I say yes, should I say no? But I, I, yeah. I think it actually it's borne out by so many people on this podcast that yeah. actually just opportunities, grasp them, yeah. say yes. Yeah, and thinking about what time in your, your life you're at as well, because I, I, as we have a lot of dental nurses that have young families at the time, so that might feel like I can't give up the time. Um, but even getting involved in things like becoming a school governor, you then start to get exposure to, to different things and it fits in around your family life and is less of a commitment. So there is so much out there, but it's really kind of thinking outside the box sometimes as well, outside the surgery to, to how you can do that and start to build those skills. Because I think from what you're saying, some of the skills, I think, from what you've said, that you bring to the table are real classic dental nurse skills. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think there's a perception sometimes, um, and I think it dates back of maybe my generation of dental nurses, that 
kind of when you look at leadership and management that you have to have these kind of leader heroes um, and that's really not the case. I would say that a lot of dental nurses are probably in charge of their own surgeries and do the leading themselves. They they manage up as opposed to being managed. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's lots of skills. I think one of the things that I kind of take from being a dental nurse, I'm very proud to be a dental nurse, is kind of just using initiative, kind of adapting, being resilient. All of those things are needed for a good leader. It's unconscious. It's it's obviously important for people to strive and reach their potential. Mm. But at the same time, we we need chairside dental nurses mm. as well. Um, if somebody was listening to this and they were thinking, oh, I have somebody that might be considering becoming a dental nurse or getting into that field. How would you sell dental nursing to somebody who was considering it as an option? How would I sell it? I think it is a rewarding career. Um, it's a hands-on job. So for for people, and especially myself at the time, I couldn't have gone to college. I didn't want to. I wanted something where I could go to work, do things, and feel like I'm making a difference. Mm. So I think it can be rewarding that the fact that you can see so many different things every day. No, no day is the same. Um, and you get to work with a variety of people as well. Um, so I think kind of those are the main bits. I I was a dental nurse before. In my day, you had to do dental nursing um, to do dental hygiene. And, and I think it is something that I'm super proud of mm. too. And I think that many of the things that I bring to my dental hygiene are dental nurse related. So... Um, and I'm very proud to occasionally still do a bit of dental nursing. So um, I think that's quite interesting. And I'm always interested to know how people develop their professional skills, their knowledge, because you may not be doing that clinical work, but you mm. are still developing. So how are you doing that? Um, I think we, maybe as a profession, we seem to be moving away slightly from day in, day out in the surgery, five days a week. And I think we need to provide people with a bit more opportunity to make the role more diverse. So as I said earlier about the oral health education, so that is something that needs to be exploited for dental nurses and within practices. Um, there is a need out there. For, so if you can start to enable things like that, maybe just kind of doing half a day a week or a day a week where they can start to build up skills in other ways. Um, I think it's a really good way to keep your staff. It benefits patients um, and so it's a win-win for me. So perhaps tease that out a little bit more because some of our listeners might not necessarily be familiar with those sorts mm. of um, skills and opportunities. So Yeah. I mean, there's a range of skill uh, extra qualifications that dental nurses can do. So oral health education, for example, just talked about and radiography is another one that's very popular. Um, the reason I choose those two is because they're things that are done in practice every day. So they will be beneficial to the practice as well as helping the development of the dental nurse as well. Um, so with radiography, they can kind of play a huge part in assisting um, with that patient journey. 
um, you do have further qualifications now on things like being a treatment coordinator. And the way, the way that they work really well is that it enables the dental nurse to kind of do the whole first part of that patient journey before they then get diagnosed uh, with a, and have a treatment plan. So um, there are lots and lots of opportunities and it hasn't all got to be done in one go as well. I think that's the really good thing. So as a treatment coordinator, for example, it would be good to have a radiography qualification. It would be good to have um, skills in clinical photography. And then you could build on that and have kind of skills on pouring study models. So you can kind of build that picture of that patient, but it hasn't all got to be done straight away. There is time and you can just kind of develop your portfolio that way. So throughout your career, you've spent a lot of time in education. You've seen a lot of clinicians in the early stages of their career. And I'm sure you've probably seen the good, the bad and the ugly in relation to, to training. If there's people listening of any registrant type who's either newly qualified or they're in their training, is there any advice from all of the experiences that you've had in education that you would give to those people to be as successful as they can be in their education? I think initially it's just take your time. I think there's a lot of apprehension about leaving kind of the security of a dental hospital if you're an undergraduate. Um, even dental nurses not being able to kind of contact a tutor if they've got a question. So there's a lot of apprehension and kind of people can be a bit scared, first of all. So there's no rush. And it's recognising that you're not going to walk out of your training and know everything and be able to do everything. And I think some people think that that will be expected of them. Um, so it's take your time, kind of recognize that you're going to have weaknesses or challenges as we like to say mm -hmm. but making sure that you're reflecting on where those challenges are so that you can start to to build your confidence and I think unless you're reflecting on those areas you're never going to kind of fully gain your confidence but it's also about looking at what your values are so when you're looking for a job kind of where do your values sit what are you looking for for a job are you looking at for a job that kind of might pay you a lot of money but then might not be as a supportive like I said I had a real family feel in the team that I worked in is that what you're looking for do you need that support do you need a practice where you kind of do lots together that social aspect you might be moving quite far if you've kind of been to um, dental school at kind of in another county so it's really sitting down and thinking about what you need from that first position because that then will start to set you up in the future and help your career. I think that's great advice. I think that's ties in with what you were saying before in terms of developing yourself, really thinking about what you want, either whether that's from a job or from development mm. or anything. I think yeah. it is really good advice because often there's so many extrinsic factors, mm. social media, friends, family, other things that put pressure on when actually just taking a step back and yeah. thinking about that is, is, sounds like a good idea yeah. to me. You've had various roles within professional societies mm -hmm. and, and these organisations have been really trailblazing for some of these great changes that have happened in our profession. And I'm interested to know what sort of made you go into those things and whether you'd recommend it for anybody else. Um, I think so. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I would say that each part of my career has opened another door, but again, it's about myself, putting myself out there for those opportunities. 
Um, it's a bit like you can't sit there and complain all the time if you're not prepared to do anything about it yourself. Um, and it's, again, for me, when I'm kind of just talking about values, value for me in the organisation I worked for is that they could see the potential and the value of a member of staff actually having a national profile and what it does for the organisation. Um, so things like that are really, really helpful. There are many more organisations now than there used to be. So there are opportunities to get involved. Um, and even just from a networking point of view as well, it really does open doors in relation to networking and kind of getting support for, for things that you might not need today, but it might be, oh, I know a person that can kind of help me or in a year's time. Yes, that whole networking thing, I think, has really come into its own. Real, We're really realising that actually you're not alone in these things, that actually you can find mentors in these environments. Yep. You you can certainly find a support and perhaps inspiration, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I yeah, people need that. People need those people to, to look at. Um, I'm not putting myself as one of those, but it's just something that I enjoy doing. If I can make a difference, I will try and make that difference. Um, and I think there's a lot of change happening within dentistry and people, I think morale can be quite low at the moment. So actually, what is it that we can do to change that? And that may be joining an organisation or but then be more part of that organisation. You actually need to work. So kind of talking about the role as chair of the trustees, you're involved in that strategy. So you're involved in what happens. You're involved in kind of what direction the organisation's going in. So it then does enable you to have a louder voice. I mean, I think these professional societies sometimes have a, a bit of a shroud over them that they're they're not really very open to having mm. new people. But I, I think that has changed, hasn't yeah, it? And yeah. so that actually if you felt as though there was something that you could provide or that you just wanted to knock on the door and say, hi, it's me, is there anything I can do to help? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, they're always looking for kind of there's regional groups. So even just being part of that group first um, and then positions become available um, to kind of chair local and regional groups. They're always definitely looking for people. I wouldn't say that they're, they're closed. Um, and we do have more now, which does make a bigger difference as well. So that's quite interesting that you say that and about things being more open and about how things have, have maybe changed over time. What do you think the the future holds for dental nursing going forward? Obviously, there's been a lot of changes since since you started, as you've mentioned throughout this 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 episode. But where do you see things going, or or maybe where do you hope things go in the next ten, twenty, thirty years for dental nurses? It's a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> we don't keep them easy. <laughs> I think I can see a bigger picture now. I kind of I look on Facebook and can see on forums that there's lots of unhappy dental nurses out there um, but also I know that practices are businesses and it's very difficult time for them as well people can't recruit staff so I can see kind of what's going on I would like to see I think nothing's going to happen until contracts change mm -hmm. um, and remuneration is better because then the dental nurses can start to be remunerated better mm -hmm. themselves um, 
So I think we've got a long way to go. I think momentum is starting to build up now. Um, I also think that the way things are changing in relation to the cost of NHS dentistry to the countries that we will hopefully see more dental nurses being able to to undertake things like oral health education and hygiene and therapists having easier access to to be able to do what they need to do as well um, so that we can really then start to see a complete skill set and skill mix across a practice because ultimately it's that we need to work to the benefit of the patients and there is a lot of patients that we can help that we're unable to do that at the moment but that does come from changes at the government which I know are being talked about (laughs) but these things take a lot of time. I'm just thinking about your career journey Marie Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking if you were able to sort of describe your journey from the sort of the beginning to where you are now, perhaps in three words. Do you, do you have any feel for what three words you might use? Um, challenging. There's been lots of challenges. Rewarding, because with every challenge, there is a reward. Um, Good, I'm encouraged to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose worthwhile. Those three words you've chosen are, are quite evocative, aren't they? And I'm just sitting here listening to them, thinking to myself... Are those really very different to how you were feeling right at the beginning of your career and now at the end? Most definitely. I think so. I think, although I've I've said just find the opportunities, put yourself out there, that comes with courage. And sometimes it's hard to find that courage. Um, so some of the things that I've done have taken a lot of courage, but equally with that comes kind of anxiety and stresses so um although i can stand in a room and i love teaching actually public speaking i hate and i can feel myself physically shaking inside um whereas i'm not someone that's like no you don't look like it on the outside but on the inside i do still have those um and obviously moving to a different registration group as you said earlier that again brought challenges and it was then having the courage in my own abilities and my own anxieties to actually lead a team of experts and sit back and know that I'm not going to know everything about this programme, but I still can do it. Um, So I do still have them days where I kind of, I worry that am I doing the right thing? What do people think? think? Don't you think everybody does? I mean, I, I, I think, I think we all, we all do, and and like you say, those those challenges. One day they're a challenge, the next day they're a reward, aren't they? Yes, we're in we're in yeah. a lucky position yeah. in our job. That yeah, actually, things are not monotonous; they are absolutely ever evolving, and certainly education. One can feed Ooh. off the the sort of energy of yeah. a learner, and like yeah. you've said. That learner, it doesn't matter what the learner is. Yeah. You're still feeding off it. Yeah. I think everyone does. Um, some people can naturally just be comfortable with putting the putting the kind of putting themselves out there and doing things. Um, and I know it's just for some people knowing that I'm not gonna be able to do that. I, I've had many of those experiences where I think I'm not gonna be able to do that. Um I read something once about applying for a job when I thought about applying for some of the jobs that I had, like 
if you're female, if you can't do 20% of what's on that job description, you'll put it back down. But if you're a male, actually you'll think, oh, I can only do 20%, but I'll, I'll wing the rest. I, I, I've heard exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. So it's, I think different people have different anxieties. So actually it's realizing that those people around you will support you. Um, and just working through because each time you do it, it does get a little easier as well. So it's making sure. So there are two things there, aren't there? There's finding the right environment yep. and actually, dare I say it, practice makes perfect. Yeah. I mean, not even perfect. We're not, we're not looking for perfection. Yep. We're looking for just improvements. And every time you do something, yeah. you're going to get yeah. a bit better. And going back to that reflection. I mean, we're never going to be good at everything. So actually, if you get kind of turned down for a position or if you do a presentation and it didn't go very well, actually, that's still fine. Um, you just have to learn to not worry about that and reflect on it, learn from it and move forward. I think that's so refreshing. I think that that honesty i think a lot of people maybe would be put off from doing things because they feel anxious about doing it but they might look at the other people that are doing it like you described where yeah. you, you look totally comfortable doing it but mm. maybe on the inside you're not and i think being aware that everybody feels that and that the people that you're watching that seem to be doing amazingly might not necessarily yeah. be doing amazingly on the inside and, and not letting that put you off from from giving it a go and pushing yourself out of your yeah. comfort zone. Yeah. Even yeah, being you're, you're right, Josh. It's it's about that comfort zone, isn't it? And we all have those places where we feel comfortable, but then if we go slightly over the edge, then our comfort zone is interfered with. So I think, you know, once again we're saying to people, do things, say yes, take the opportunities. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being here today talking about myself is not my favourite thing to do. Um, but if it does help at least one person with kind of finding their next career move, then it's worthwhile. Well, we're hoping that every guest has got an inspirational story and you most definitely have. So thank you so much, Marie, for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a real joy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. If you've been inspired by that episode, did you know that the Eastman Dental Hospital Education Centre provide training for the whole dental team? Follow us on social media or search for the Eastman Dental Hospital Education Centre to find out more. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please like, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes.